ready. Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Friends, welcome aboard. We're just getting started and encourage you to invite somebody to come out to tonight's broadcast. We're back doing evening programs. Praise the Lord. You know, we tried Your show will new. go live in five seconds. Four, three, Here we go. two, one. Stand by. Blog Talk Radio. Our beloved Blog Talk Radio. We've been with them since the beginning. We tried something new, and we're doing daytime programs, and uh, those are great. But you know what? Nothing like the evening. And once I get my, my sleep schedule back on track, uh, it'll be good to go to bed at a decent hour. Um, I've been pulling a lot of all-nighters. And uh, praise the Lord that we've made it to 2024, but it's time to get on a, a better sleeping schedule. I'll just tell you the truth on that. But we're going to do that this year. Monday through Friday, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern is our new schedule. And then we'll still do some daytime on Wednesday to do some international programs. So we've just launched that for January 1 going forward. And uh, welcome back, everybody. And it's great to be with Pastor John Terrell. Coming to you from Sacramento, California. Brother John, welcome back, my friend. And uh, would you like to open us up in prayer? Yes, I will. My Heavenly Father, we want to thank you right now to your New Year 2024. This is my first program this year, Father God, and I'll make it my radio. And I want to thank you, Father God, that we still have this outlet, Father God. Satan will not be able to take it away from us. And I pray that today that you will use me in such a way that someone will have that understanding. Someone will be victorious. And someone will be able to walk victorious in Christ. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother John, we love you, and thank you for working with us, my brother, and bearing with us as we took off a little bit of time, but I'm back and ready to go. And uh, the microphone is yours, my friend. Love you too, Shannon. I'm going to continue here uh, that I left off last year, uh, turn in God, or actually turn in God, or turn tune in God, and Turn off the devil. You want to turn that rascal off. And I'm going to talk to you today about how Satan communicates. Because he does have a vast network consisting of himself, fallen angels. These fallen angels are to the tune of probably billions if not zillions and on top of that we have evil spirits or demons we do know where the devil comes from the Bible tells us he was a uh, he was a sheriff he had access to the throne room of God he was leading worship there uh, he was also the regent of the planet earth uh, this is prior to Adam and Eve. And uh, there were kingdoms here. There were people here. There were cities here. 
Uh, it's all stated in the Bible. Uh, from Prophet Ezekiel and from the Prophet Isaiah were given that information. And uh, he decided one day he was didn't like to be number two. He was going to be number one. So he traveled around in the universe, got one-third of the angels decided that Lucifer was better. Um, and uh, so they built a little space fleet and uh, they started to rise up to go to heaven itself and dethrone God. And uh, they were very surprised when they were met by a fleet from heaven, uh, which was commanded by Michael, the archangel. And so there was a nasty war that raged in the entire universe and ended up here on earth, where Satan finally was defeated, captured, and tried and sentenced to the lake of fire. So he appealed and said, um, how can a loving God cast his creature into everlasting fire? So God stayed his sentence, and God is now proving his righteousness. So that's where the devil comes from. The fallen angels were powerful angels that were ruling other solar systems and planets. And uh, so that's where they came from. Now, the demons, we are not told where they come from. We do notice that Jesus said they are evil spirits. They are also known as devils. Um, demons mean powers. Um, and um, they are as many as mosquitoes in Alaska in the summertime. I mean, when you go down a road, uh, you're going through a cloud of demons. The strange thing is this, that if you go to Nevada, for example, and you go out in, in the area where there's, there's no population, it's just you have hundreds of miles of nothing but sagebrushes and uh, rocks and so on. And you'll find there are no demons there. Uh, actually, I, I enjoy that. If you go to a wilderness area, let's go to one of the parks, and you go way away from there. There are normally no people. You find that there are no demons there because demons don't like to hang out where there's nothing. They want to be where the people are. So in the cities, uh, they are thick of them. So the devil now, he has a communication network. So, so let's find out now, what is the goal of the devil? Well, the goal of the devil is to stack hell with as many people as he can get in there. And by doing that, he is hoping that God would look upon it at the end time and says, well, there are too many people in hell, like uh, there are too many of them. I got to revamp and try to see if I can have a redemption plan for it. That's the only explanation why you have the devil 
keep doing bad things, but he knows he's already sentenced to the lake of fire. It would be like a guy is out on, on the bail, and uh, he's waiting for trial, and at the same time, he's committing more crimes. That doesn't make sense. So we're going to start on a scripture here. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 25. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things as the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass, I know your works, and charity or love, and service and faith, and your patience, and your works, and the last to be more than the first, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you, because you suffered the, that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of her deeds. And I will kill the children with death, and all the church shall know that I am he which circles the reins of hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. So we had this woman, Jezebel, that was simply a demon-possessed, a witch, a seducer, a person that simply wanted destruction for people. So let's set forth something right now. What is it that the devil can tempt you and I with? What do we have that he can use? Let's begin with money. Money in itself, you can sit in a, uh, in a house full with dollar bills about every currency you have where you, you live. And uh, that's not very exciting. It is what you can buy with that money. So the devil simply tries to tempt us by simply saying, I know how you can make some good money. And most of the time, it will be illegal stuff. This is why you find, for example, people that are drug 
smugglers and drug dealers. They are not dealing drugs because they think it's fun. They're doing it because of the money. And of course, most of them are on drugs themselves, so they simply deal with it. They get free drugs and then sell it to other people. Then you also have people, women, that simply don't want to have a regular job and they rather sell their bodies. And for some reason, uh, this is also enticed by demons. It usually starts with young girls that are lured into prostitution. Um, and uh, they tell them it's, it's easy money. You work four or five hours every night. And uh, you collect the money. And then, you know, in the daytime, you're free. You can do whatever you want to do. You just put in maybe six or seven hours where you have uh, sex intercourse with people and you get paid for that. So there's a lot of people there. Then you have men that are homosexuals and they work as prostitutes and they make money on it. So this is one way. And then you have other way people stealing uh, robbing to try to get things. But let's talk about the average person. What tempts a person? Let me make this statement now. If there were no fence operators, and fence operators are people that, that buy stolen goods, there will be no thieves. Now we have people crashing stores and running in and grabbing things off the shelf and so on. And uh, that in itself, they, they do not make money on that. But there are people that they sell their product to. So let's say that you uh, an item is worth $10 and uh, the fence guy says, well, I'll give you a dollar for that. And then he sells it for 5 and he still is undercutting the store. So in order for thieves to be able to prosper, they got to be people that are willing to buy their ware and then sell it on open markets or streets or in stores that simply handle stolen goods. So it takes someone to facilitate. But now... Take a man, and he's not saved. As he grows up, it used to be that boys were innocent until they hit their teens. Now, boys are taught in first and second grade. They teach them how to masturbate and how to look at girls. The girls look at boys and so on. But the thing is this, we have, in our physical body, we have touch and smell. We have a nervous system where the skin is covered with sensors. And um, 
So these can be used for example, a man likes to have a woman. He likes to rub his skin against a woman and uh, then go step after step until he have intercourse with her. And so we have a stimulation now of euphoria or feeling good. And that is what drives men and women to have sexual activities outside marriage. Now, when God made us, he purposely designed us that we are attracted to sex. And that is supposed to be used in marriage. And you're not only having sex with with your wife or your husband to procreate to have children you have sex as a you simply are together with your spouse you enjoy each other and your sex life will last up to your 60, 70, 80 years old uh, depending upon how, how well being a person is so now that Satan says that and so he builds an industry around sex how to to simply trap people in instead of being satisfied with your wife and your husband it now has become a stimulation program and it is much more stimulating by having people you are not married to or they have sex dolls today with built-in vaginas uh, that vibrate and do all kinds of different things. They talk to you, and uh, you can have sex with a sex doll made of uh, plastic and uh, got a surface that is very nicely so that it's, it copies the human skin. Let me take you now to a Bible verse here. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, or the main the, the bad things that he's trying to get you into. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of dark to this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand there for having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, where you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all supplication of the Spirit, and watching on with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. Let's see if I can 
help you to understand the world we are navigating in. When you were born, if you are a man or woman, makes no difference, and we're all humans, you were an innocent baby. And uh, let's say that you didn't have any warped parents that would molest you. So you will never know anything about sexuality. So you grow up, you're happy, little child, three, four years old, five years old, and uh, you're innocent and you don't think anything about your body. And uh, then you get about older, seven, eight years old, nine years old, and you're still innocent. Unless you are introduced to ungodly television, unless you're introduced to children around you that have been seduced, you will be innocent. And then when you get older, you meet somebody, you love them, you get married, and you live a godly, normal life with your spouse. The devil doesn't like that. He does not like that. So in order to pervert you, he has to place a demon inside of you. In order to pervert you, he has to place a demon inside of you. That demon will bring other demons in and um, that demon, he has desires. He is a pervert. They like homosexuality. They like fornication, adultery. They like drugs. They like all the, the bad stuff that's not good for you. And that demon, once he comes into a little child, he will <clears throat> simply <clears throat> begin to express his feeling through your soul brain. So the demon now simply is hooking up to your soul brain and it is almost like you're stealing energy. There are people that steal electricity and the way they do it is that they go in and put a line in between the meter and the street where your electricity comes in. And just they can siphon off electricity and no one will know that because there's no meter on it. And if it is not a whole lot of electricity, uh, it does not make any, it does not show up on any equipment that's monitoring. That's stealing energy. And that's what the demons do. They hook up to your soul brain. And now, 
they can read your thoughts, they can talk through you, and whatever you feel in your body, they feel. So in other words, they are a parasite. And they are simply sitting there and clinging to your body. They are inside your body, hooked up to your soul brain. And everything that you experience emotionally, feelings, they are picking that up. And it goes into their brain system. And since they do not have spirit bodies anymore, they are simply like spirits, but they don't have a spiritual body. They can now have sex. They can have the feeling of drugs. They can have the euphoria of this or that. How you take, for example, serial killers, um, the demon just enjoys murdering a, child, a person, a child or an adult. And the feelings that the person that is murdering has goes right into the demon, and that demon sits there and enjoys it immensely. Most serial murderers are simply saying this, I enjoy killing. It really turns me on. So now, I want to insert this for you. I'm going to talk about my personal life. My dad was a Christian. My mom was not. They would send us to Sunday school, but they wouldn't go to church themselves. Um, I had a grandmother who was very godly, and uh, I had aunts, and uh, they took me to church, Sunday school, and so on. At the age of three, I made a decision for Christ. At the age of four, I accepted Christ. The way I live now, this, this goes back in the 1940s. lived in a city, and we didn't, I did not attend any movies. Um, my parents didn't have the money for it, and besides that, my dad didn't think of it. He didn't go to movies himself. So I didn't see other movies. Television did not exist at that time. Radio existed, and there were music, different types of programs, there were children's programs, and so on. So I lived in a very sheltered environment. Very sheltered. And um, I uh, was not drawn to girls. Um, I like girls in this way that there was built in, you know, desire to be married someday. But I had no sexual attraction to them because I had not been introduced to anything of that nature. And so I was an innocent boy uh, that played with girls or played with boys. And uh, we were, I was clean. I, I played with clean people. Well, at the age of, I think about the age of 14, a couple of boys in school 
they said this, we, we, we're playing a game. I said, okay. I said, uh, what kind of game is that? Well, we sit around, we, we have a place outside where there's no people around, we, we sit around and uh, we are masturbating. I said, what's that? This is, do you know that? I said, no, I don't know that. So they said, well, let me tell you how it works. And so they described to me how they masturbated. From being innocent, I felt like Eve in the Garden of Eden, you don't want to say they came in and put some filth on her. And I really wanted to hear me now. I did not know. But at that moment, I now had knowledge of good and evil. I did not understand that. So I never did join these guys. I never went to the place where they were doing the masturbation. For some reason, I felt I don't want to go there. But it's now, it was in my mind. And there was a demon in my mind that had to be not in my mind. He was in my body. He was hooked up to my soul brain now. I should have gone to my parents and said, you know, um, I learned this today uh, in school, and uh, uh, Dad, can you can you tell? Can you give me insight in this? Is this something I should do or should not do? But I didn't do that because my parents they simply were very awkward. They didn't talk or teach us, you know, about sexuality. I didn't know that my dad was into pornography. So, sometime after this happened, what these guys told me about masturbation, uh, we were, my brother and I were rooming around in, in the house. My parents were working, we were home alone at daytime at the school. And uh, I f- we found a stash of pornographic magazines. Not a demon that had come in. He simply, now, he simply drew us and said, you know, this is something you want to examine. This is nice, this is exciting. I was not so much drawn to the uh, pictures as I was to the erotical writing that was done. Where uh, they had these stupid stories about boys and girls and men and women and how they did this and that and so on. And ended up having intercourse. Now I got more demons. And um, so I decided one day by myself that um, I'm going to see what this masturbation is all about. So I did. 
And when it came to, uh, it simply got to a crescendo, so to say, and I had uh, ejected ejaculation. Um, there was a tremendous euphoria, and uh, it was like something exploded inside of me. And uh, now I was hooked. This now became an obsession. And it went from there. Now I started looking at girls. And it was not enough to look at a magazine and masturbate. I wanted to have girls. I wanted to do it in, in reality. So now I picked up more demons. As I started hanging around with the girls, I was now a teenager, upper teenager. And uh, it just escalated. And it became like a fire. I was saved. But I was not going to church anymore. I had, the demons had crowded out the consciousness of God in me. I simply got into the world. Now, once the demons of pornography, masturbation got a hold of me, here comes another batch of demons. Had the demons of nicotine. And now I became a smoker. I started probably, I sneaked my first cigarette when I was seven years old, but I started smoking really um, seriously when I was about 14 or 15 years old. So now I was hooked on nicotine. And um, I would steal, I would lie to get cigarettes. And the next batch of demons I got were the demons of alcohol. And now, once I had tasted how it was to get drunk, oh, I liked that feeling of being tipsy. It felt good. So what I'm trying to tell you here is I went from being an innocent boy to a filthy, loaded-down individual with evil spirits that simply ruled my day. The next thing that happened to me was I got a foul mouth. I mean, I would, every third word was a cuss word. I also like to tell dirty jokes, particularly specifically sexual jokes. I was a stinking, foul, demon-possessed person that simply stunk to the heavens, if I can use it. During this time now, there was no television I lived in Sweden. We didn't get television until about 1958. I already moved out from home at that time. 
And, of course, there were no cell phones. Uh, there was no internet. So, basically, what we had was we had radio. We had uh, vinyl records where we listened to ungodly music. Of course, we got rock and roll come in in the 50s. And uh, I remember they had these rock cafes, and we go there and listen to Elvis Presley and uh, looked at the girls and touched the girls and so on and drank a lot of Coca-Cola because that was, came from America. And, uh, you know, you have to drink the Coke, you know, and smoke the dope and so on. I didn't have any drugs. They did not exist in the environment in Sweden at that time. So here I was now. And I became sex Christ. And uh, met my wife, seduced her. We lived together before we got married. And eventually we did get married. And um, then about three years or four years after we got married, I moved here to the United States. God got a hold of me. And he cleaned me up and uh, took away all the excess baggage. But the demons, I didn't, I, I didn't know how to cast out demons. So I got cleaned up. I didn't drink anymore. I didn't smoke anymore. I'd been to go outside. I just had my wife. I didn't read pornography anymore. But the demons were in me. And so I struggled. I struggled with bad thoughts. I struggled with bad feelings. And it was a torment. And it was not until after I got delivered from these demons that I was beginning to be able to live a normal life. I decided not to talk about other people because I didn't want to say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that? I'm talking about myself. And this is my testimony. And you cannot take that away from me. I know what I'm talking about. And I do know this, that scores of you listening to my voice, either today or later on, whenever you hear this program, you had the same experience, because the devil does, he only has one program, and that's sex, booze, drugs, rock and roll, that, that's his program. He just mix it up, a little bit of soup, a little bit of that soup, and so on. So the question now is, what can you do about it, and should you do something about it? I have met a number of pastors that look good, they smell good, they sounded good, but eventually they went down, they had sex out of love marriage, or they got on alcohol, or they got 
indeed want him money and I did things they shouldn't have done. There's a lot of people in churches that are struggling. But you don't talk about it. Because now you are born again. You are a church member. You might sing in the choir. You're a deacon. And you're a housewife and you got children. And no one knows the fire that is raging inside of you and is tormenting you. Let me talk to you now about what kind of demons we have. Satan has built a communication network. It's much worse today than when I was a teenager in the 1950s, which would be about 70 years from now, years ago. We have the demon prince of worldly television. That's an archon. An archon is a high-powered fallen angel. And they pretty much have a business world, just like we have a business world. And Satan has commissioned this particular oracle to be in charge of television. And he is like an executive director. And under him is a whole bunch of different departments. And they are producing all kind of bad programs. And uh, the whole goal with that is to lower your resistance, to have you think and drool over the sexual activities of the people that you see on your television screen. Then we have the demon prince of pornography. And pornography today is so sophisticated that what what my dad had would be like if you have a catalog from Target, Walmart, there were not really any totally naked women. They were a little bit dressed on, a little skimpy stuff on. Today, You got sex dolls. You got channels do nothing but sex. Uh, You can get everything. If you are a pervert with child sex, if you want this and that, there's people. Matter of fact, in the Los Angeles area, in San Fernando Valley, San Fernando Valley is where you have the porn industry. And they have a whole bunch of uh, warehouses there and studios where they are producing sex movies every day. And it's all kind of sex. It's it's, uh, child porn. It's uh, regular sex, homosexuality. It's just a number of, you can get anything you want. Now, I made a decision myself. 
I was uh, got my first computer in um, 1990, and uh, I told myself this: I will never be so stupid that I'm going to go and watch these different sites. I don't need to check them out. I don't know where they are. And I can truly say this. I have never been to a porn site or to look at ladies from Ukraine or Romania or the Philippines. I get mail emails every day. Ukrainian beauties, Russian beauties. I go delete, delete, delete. I learned this. I don't need to look at it. I'm not going to get that image burned into my soul brain. I don't need it, so I'm not done. So what I'm going after is what other people have told me, what I've read uh, when they're describing things and so on. That That's where my knowledge comes from. Today... We have a tremendous need for child sex. And I, I couldn't afford to believe it. I mean, these people are coming up from uh, Mexico, they, they, a lot of tra- sex trafficking. And uh, they're buying children, boys and girls, in South America and other places. And then they just bring them up, take them on the border. And they go into these houses, so they never see the daylight. When they're done with them, they just kill them. And I can't for my life understand how a normal person would like to have sex with a child, inflict pain upon that child, having kinky sex and so on. But I want to tell you this, if there were no customers, there wouldn't be any prostitutes, there wouldn't be any sex trafficking. Our society has broken down. And as I look upon people, when I go to stores and so on, I look nice, but so many of them have demons in them. They've been brought up on television. They have all these different things. They are crazy because the demons make them crazy. They try to live a normal life. They try to keep up a facade. But we're seeing the facade breaking down. And we're seeing murders. We're seeing all kind of things taking place. People shooting one another. Jealousy, destruction. We have the demon prince of alcohol, of other drugs, fentanyl, a powerful drug. We, I didn't have any drugs. When they came in, they had different drugs. They have uh, <clears throat> that would give stimulate and fill them in. 
which by the way was developed in Germany, World War II, by the Nazis. But amphetamine today is nothing to fentanyl. A little bit too much fentanyl, you're dead. But if you get a little bit, the euphoria is fantastic for the drug user. And they risk it. Some people try fentanyl once and they die on their first trip. Then we have the demon of Prince of Rock Music. Ungodly music started in the early 50s with Elvis Presley and all the other rock guys. Then we got the Beatles. We got all the other bad rock music. ACDC and a number of other organizations, a group they had. And then we have the demon prince of video games. And we've done a lot of deliverances. And I can tell you this. Video games are extremely addictive. Because you have you become a god. The video games now are much more sophisticated than they were in the 1980s and 90s. It's virtual reality today. You can intertwine yourself with it in there. Matter of fact, you can have sex. You can have all kinds of different things with the different characters. And a video game, if you give a video game to a child, seven, eight years old, and says, well, it's just, you know, uh, grand auto theft or it's just about racing cars and this and that. Video games is something that no child should have. You must have thought, I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I know it's the same thing. You don't give children fentanyl. They die. By playing these video games, people become extremely demonized. And um, after that, it's a down spiral. Because here's the thing that you got to understand. When you get the demon in you, and don't tell me there are no demons in, in Christians. There. Christians, I would say that most Christians, even Pentecostals, have a whole bunch of demons. And you have this faulty thinking. Light and darkness cannot be together. You got the Holy Spirit in you if you're Christians, so demons cannot be there. Not true. The battleground is in your head, actually in your soul brain, which is not your physical brain. That's what a battle is. And you never do something first, you think about it. Secondly, you're contemplating. 
Thirdly, you carry it out. Let me talk now about a cure for this particular thing. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1, we read this. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's your soul. Your soul has a soul brain. That's what you think with. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How did I get out of my addictions that I had? Well, they didn't go away in one day and not in a week either. The first thing that happened to me was this, that I was convicted by the Holy Spirit listening to Billy Graham preaching. And I realized, I am a bad sinner. I need to get back to God. So I made a decision. I repented of my sins. And ask God to forgive me, and I ask God to help me. I didn't attend church <clears throat> because I felt that pastors were crooks. They took your money in churches, and I didn't want to go to a church without a crook that took money, so I didn't go. My wife said, Can't we go to church? I said, I don't want to go there. They're full of hypocrites. I didn't know that I was a bigger hypocrite. Eventually, we ended up, and we ended up in a church, the Southern Baptist Church. And now, there were two animals inside of me. There were the demons, there were my soul, the spirit that was born again, and the Holy Spirit. And I made a decision that I am not going to drink anymore. I am not going to smoke anymore. Was it easy? No. Alcohol was easy to give up. Cigarettes was much more difficult. What about the sexual sense? Well, I fought them. I slipped. I repented. I was good for a while. I slipped, repented. It was not until I had the demons cast out of me when I have a deliverance that I was able to deal with the sexual demons, with the demons of unforgiveness. 
with the demons of rage, jealousy, anger, In order for it to be totally delivered, you have to cast out the demons. And you must as well. Uh, they don't do that in my church. No, they don't. And that's why you're not very successful. That's why you got problems. It's like you go to, if you have a uh, problem with your eyes, and you go to a plumber, and you ask the plumber if he can fix your eyes. Yeah, he can fix your eyes. You don't see anymore. You go to an eye surgeon, an eye doctor. If you got a problem with your intestines, you go to an internal specialist. If you got a foot problem, you go to a foot doctor. I want to read this to you. from This is from Matthew 10. What? And when he called to him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Verse 7, And as he go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils or demons, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus ministered was not completely, but a large part of his ministry was casting out demons and healing the sick. So what I'm telling you is this. Willpower can help you to a certain degree. But as long as you have an infestation of evil spirits in your physical body, you are not going to be totally victorious. You're going to be struggling. You're going to be disgusted with yourself. You're going to have no good. You're going to try to say, well, I'm going to try better. It's only one remedy. If you got a cancer, you got to cut it out. You got to kill it. You can't live with cancer. You can't live with demons and have a good life. How do you do that? Well, on Omega Man Radio, they cast out demons from time to time. But if you really want to, it's serious, and you want to study this, I have a book called Christian Dynamics, course number one. That's Christian Dynamics, course number one. That is our deliverance book. I tell you about salvation, about demons, demon possession, demon oppression, and how to cast them out. It's a book about 300 pages. The book is the size of 8.5 by 11, so it's not a small book. And we use that as our manual. Go to our website, eaec.org. That stands for European American Evangelistic Crusades. And there on the front page, actually the home page, on the upper corner to the right, you see a yellow book with a big red cross. And that's the book to click on. Or you can use a Google search and put in Christian Dynamic Book 1 and it will show up. And get the book. Read it. 
contact us if you want help. I will talk to you, or one of my counselors will talk to you, and we will help you. You do not have to continue to be tormented year after year. You can be set free. So go to the website, eaec.org, and get that book, Christian Lambic, book number one. I don't want you to think that I'm selling the book because I make money. First of all, I get no money if I sell books. They go to the ministry. I get nothing from that. I'm on a salary. I'm not selling the book because we want to sell books. I'm selling that because you need that to help you in your personal life. I also want to tell you this. If you want to watch me preach, you can watch me online every Sunday, 9 o'clock. Pacific Standard Time, we have, actually we start at 8.30 with music, 9 o'clock prayer, 9.30 I start preaching, and that we stream that on the internet, and you get that through our website, eaec.org, it says live webcast, and if you miss that, you can go in any time during the week, and click on it, and then the following week, we then put something else on. I also have about 650 sermon videos that we've done since 2008, and they're available on our website or on YouTube and on some other platforms, Vimeo and so on. So with that, I'm just going to say this. This is what the Lord laid upon my heart, to share with you my personal experience, my personal victory, And how I can walk in victory. May God bless you. And by the way, we need to give Shannon Davis a great offering today. Because he does a great job. He pays all the bills. I get nothing for this. I give my time to his ministry. So go to his website. Find the donation button. He got all kind of different ways. And give him a good offering. Because if you don't help him out, Omega Man will not come your way anymore. Back to you, Sean. My brother, what a great time in the Lord tonight, being back with you and message. Brother John, give us a title again for tonight's show, and I'll get it updated in the archive tonight. What would you like to call that show? Go ahead. uh, The downfall starts with a demon. Oh, that's good. Okay, that'll work for me. Folks, again, go to www.eaec.org for Brother John's website. Support his ministry right there. And uh, this is a new time every week with Brother John. I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week, brother. Have a great weekend. We love you. God, God love you too, and God bless you. Thank you, Brother John. Okay. Folks, praise the Lord. Let's get uh, our next guest set up, and I'm going to save this program. We'll be right back. Stand by.